Hey everyone, welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Appreciate you joining me for another exciting episode. Uh, and I hope you'll uh, make sure you watch all the episodes this week. I'm planning on having Pastor Obina Ofuebu on with me and looking forward to having him on the program. He will probably be on either Thursday or Friday, uh, Lord willing. But looking forward to having a discussion with him about Bible prophecy. Appreciate everyone helping get the word out. Uh, the message is spreading. Uh, the channel is growing and I appreciate that. And your engagement with the videos, the liking, sharing, all that, it does, it helps. So uh, help keep spreading the word about this. And we have got to put a stop to all this nonsense that is being taught in the name of prophecy and in the name of supporting Israel. We've, it, it's getting out of control. And I am shocked and horrified at, of more and more things I'm seeing in Baptist churches. And specifically, I believe that one of the reasons there is so much deception, so much confusion is because of um, errors on Israel. And I believe that these errors on Israel has led to some uh, major problems that unfortunately the Baptist churches are not exempt from. Even what I would consider some good Baptist churches that I would never expect this stuff to get into it's there. And what I want to talk about today specifically is the Hebrew Roots Movement. And I want to show you some identifying marks of the Hebrew Roots Movement and identifying marks of someone who is being influenced by a very flawed system, a heretical system, completely contrary to what we are taught in the scriptures. He, the, this Hebrew Roots Movement is wicked. And everyone needs to avoid it. And I want to help you uh, see, spot the markers because there are some clear markers of people that are getting way too caught up in this stuff. It's more than uh, people are going beyond just saying God's not done with Israel, uh, pledging their political support for Israel. It's going beyond that to the point where it is infecting how churches run their services. It's infecting... Um, how they speak. And it's even going as far too. And one of the big markers that you need to watch out for, and I would mark people for is when they start insisting on using all the Hebrew names for God, when they start saying Yeshua instead of Jesus and Yahweh and all that nonsense, I just mark it right there. And I'm just, you know, I'm just going to tell you what I would do. Okay. This is just me. I'm not telling everybody what to do, but I'm so repulsed by this stuff. I am so against this stuff. And I believe I have biblical reason. I will get to the Bible reason for these things. If I was, if I was visiting a church and they start doing this nonsense, I'm just walking out. There are certain things that if I see you doing these things in church, I just, I'm not going to fellowship with you. Okay? I don't want to be rude or anything like that. But if I get sabotaged or shanghaied and, uh, attending some service and they start doing certain elements of these Hebrew roots things. I'm leaving. For example, when they start using all the Hebrew names, I'm leaving. I'm not listening to that. Okay. I, I don't care if they like want to reference it for whatever reason, but when all of a sudden you just insist on saying Yeshua instead of Jesus and using all these Hebrew names, I, I am going to assume that you have been greatly infected with this Hebrew roots movement. And I don't care to hear what you have to say. If you start blowing a shofar 
as part of your service. I don't care if you're using it for some kind of illustration of something they did in the Bible, but no, but when shofar blowing becomes a part of how you do your service, I'm leaving. Hey, just, just mark it down. I'm leaving. If you start using a prayer shawl as part of your prayers and how you run things, I'm walking out. I'm leaving. I'm not, I'm not putting up with it about as much as I, I can handle. All right. But the only thing, uh, like the, the limit, okay. The limit of what I will put up with is I, I will put up, I will put up, even though it will irritate the snot out of me with an Israeli flag on the platform. You say you're a compromiser. Maybe, maybe, but, um, the, the reason why I put up with that is because I do believe, obviously, people who put an Israeli flag on the platform, I believe they are in error, uh, and that error has led to that. Uh, but I do believe that there's still some good in them. All right, not to sound like Luke Skywalker or anything, but I believe there's, I believe there's still some good in these people, and I will put up with it. I will hold my nose. But once it goes beyond that, I just, I can't, I can't do it. I can't deal with it. And so if you want to walk out of any church with an Israeli flag, I'm not going to stop you from that. If that's your conviction, if your conscience won't allow you to put up with that, then if, then don't do it, then you should walk out. But uh, that's about as far as I will go. Uh, and, and you might think, man, you're, you're being legalistic. No, actually they're being legalistic. If you, if we want to get biblical all of a sudden, but this shofar, what is this shofar blowing? Cause first off, I had never even heard of the Hebrew roots movement until, uh, shortly after we started the church, when we started our church, there was a building we had looked at and considered, uh, starting our church in, and we decided we didn't want it. But shortly after we bought ours, um, another church bought that building, if you want to call it that. And it had this real Jewish name to it. And I was like, what in the world? And so, um, I looked it up. Uh, I remember I looked up the website for that church and it was, it was a Hebrew roots church. And so I was reading some of the stuff and it was, and it's, and it had on their website, it stated some correct facts that I will share with you. Uh, well, I'll, I'll read some of these too, because this is some of the things that they will say that technically are true, but yet they jump to some extreme and false conclusions with them. For example, uh, you know, they'll talk about how we are connected to the Jews of the Old Testament. I agree with that. That's true. Right? All right. Now, does that mean I should wear a yarmulke? Does that mean I should blow a shofar in church? Okay. Is that the conclusion we're going to jump to? Because I just stated something true. And so now I get to say something stupid. No, that, that, that's not, not the same. Uh, they'll say the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Okay. That's true. Um, your people don't speak Hebrew. I don't speak Hebrew. They'll say Jesus was a Jew. You know, they'll bring that up. And some even push for circumcision too. Uh, you know, and you know, of course Jesus was circumcised. Um, they will talk about Hanukkah. They will celebrate Hanukkah many times. And they'll talk about, cause Jesus went to Jerusalem for the feast of dedication. That is also true. That does not mean we should celebrate Hanukkah though. And I don't have time to talk about Hanukkah, but most people don't know the truth about that. And especially Hebrew roots people. You know, they'll talk about Jesus celebrating the Old Testament feasts. I mean, that's true. They'll talk about how Paul 
observed Old Testament feasts. There, there is some truth to that as well. And so what they'll do is they'll state these things that are true and they'll use that as an excuse to bring in a bunch of foolishness and teach heresy. And so when I remember, I remember when I saw some of that, I'm like, okay, these are facts, but these people are taking this stuff way too far. And this was before I knew, even knew the truth about Israel, but I knew this is, a, these people are going way too far on this stuff. And even at that time, I was all, I've always been bothered by Israeli flags on platforms. Always been bothered by that. There was always something that didn't set right with me about that. And so that was my introduction to it. And so that church, it ended up uh, growing. It moved out, it moved out of that building. I thought they closed, but then uh, a few years later, I got an ad on Facebook showing, uh, promoting something to the church and they had moved uh, out of town and they built a big place and I was watching part of their service and they're like blowing a shofar in the service. And that's another thing that is becoming very common and very popular. And that is shofar blowing in church. And I'm telling you, if I go into a church and they start blowing a shofar as a part of their service, not you doing an illustration or something like that as part of their service, I am walking out. And I just typed up uh, search shofar blowing in church and here's a bunch of videos and you'll notice uh, too, it is, it's something that people like to do, uh, you know, with, uh, it, you know, it's, it's a big thing to promote Jewish stuff. And he said, what's, what's wrong with that? You know, and look at this set, look at that second video there, how the ladies got the Israeli flag. Cause again, what most of this is, is people pandering to the Jews. Okay. And that's what's happened because theologically people got this false idea about the Jews and Israel. It's like in, in Baptists are the worst at this. We're always trying to outdo each other and everything. You know, we've got to outdo each other on standards. We got to be more King James than everybody else. We've got to just be the most extreme on everything. And so people, it's like they've gotten into this contest of like supporting Israel more and more to where they're literally flying their flag. They're even bringing in their practices into church. They're using all these Hebrew words all the time, trying to speak Hebrew as like it's as though it were some magical language. And it's absolutely ridiculous and it's something that people ought to stay away from and i am shocked by some of the baptists getting caught up in this baptist preaching you know all this stuff about the prayer shawl that is not based off anything we read in the scripture it's based off jewish customs and i don't know i i need to hurry up and get into the scriptures on this but i've got uh, i might do some naming of people in here because if i have time because i was pretty shocked by um, a church that I saw that had one of these guys that really pushed this Hebrew roots nonsense. But if those who think I'm just being a little too mean on this stuff, I do want to take the time to look at some scriptures on this because I personally think that we need to be very, very, very much against all of this foolishness. Uh, I believe that we need to keep it out of our churches. I mean, I think we need to stay away from it. I think we need to call it out because this is, this is, uh, this is contrary to the scriptures and I want nothing to do with it. And I, I don't want to even be perceived as supporting this in any way.
And so we're going to show my Bible reasons for why I'm going to have nothing to do with that. And you might think I'm rude for one, you know, saying I'd walk out of a service if they blow a shofar, but I will, I will blow, I will walk out of a service if they blow a shofar. If it's, a, again, if it's part of how they worship, I'm going to do that. And, and here's why. So let's look at some scriptures in Galatians 6, 11, it says, "Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Now, it's important that we understand that we get a hold of what Paul's discussing here. One of the reasons there's so much confusion on this stuff is because of dispensationalism. Baptists are very bad at teaching what from the law we should even still be talking about. They, they're really bad at teaching that. And even, and I don't even know if you can just blame dispensationalism. I think even in replacement theology world, uh, there are people that do a really bad job of teaching how to make application from the Old Testament today. They're really bad at it. And if you're bad at that, you're going to cause a lot of confusion. Paul, he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Paul knew his doctrine. He knew he understood the old covenant and the new covenant. And so he, he had no problem with this, but understand these ceremonial observances, they have no place, no place with us as Christians. I don't care what they used to do ceremonially under the old covenant. We are not under the old covenant. We are not to practice these things. We are not meant to implement these things. One thing too, I mean, God changed these things. He, he removed these things. He finished these things. He brought in a new and better covenant and he changed certain things. One of the things you'll often see, even in the Baptist world, is we always want to have a contest of whose observance of the Lord's Supper is most like the Passover. That is also error. If you make your Lord's Supper observant too much like the Passover, I believe you're doing it wrong. We should not be having a contest of who's doing things most like the Passover. It's not the same thing as the Passover. It's, it's, a, it's a replacement of the Passover, but at the same time, it is done very differently. It should be done very differently. And if, if you're basis for how you observe the Lord's Supper is based off ceremonial things of the old covenant, then you're doing it wrong. We're not, we're not supposed to do that. And it's dangerous to do that. And Paul makes it very clear here that these people who were trying to get them to be circumcised, okay, not, it, this wasn't just wrong because they were uh, adding a work to the law, which was a very, very bad thing, but it also just didn't make any sense because he's like, they're commanding you to keep the law when they don't keep the law. The law is not a pick and choose thing. It's a package deal. You either do it all or you don't do it. And anyone who claims to be observing the law, who is not observing all of the law, is a liar and a hypocrite. 
And so we don't need to pretend we're doing these things. You should not be doing a ceremonial circumcision. You shouldn't be do you shouldn't be practicing these things. It's wrong. In Christ Jesus, it avails nothing. Okay? It avails nothing. And so we need to make sure that the only thing we have to glory in is the cross. The cross was the replacement of everything under that old covenant. All of those ceremonial things, the washings, the sacrifices, the things of the temple, okay? The temple was replaced with the body of Jesus Christ. The priesthood was replaced with the priesthood of Jesus Christ. It's not hard to figure out what was finished, not what was thrown out. No, what was completed. And these ceremonial things, these observances and things like that, they are, they're finished. Christ finished with those things. And so the apostle Paul, he, in the book of Galatians is nipping this stuff. There are, there were Judaizers trying to bring in the things of the law, ceremonial things. And again, it wasn't even just wrong that they were adding it and making it a part of salvation because, but it, um, it was, these things were dangerous that Paul was warning them about getting involved in. And so we need to make sure that we stay away from these things. Look at what it says. So let's look at a few more scriptures uh, from Galatians too to help us understand what's going on. And let's not just make this about circumcision. Okay, look what it says in Galatians 4.1. It says, Now I say that an heir, as long as he is a child, deferreth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors unto the time appointed of the father. Even so, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. Now, what, what does that mean? Elements of the world? Is it talking about like standing outside being in the elements as we say today? No, obviously that's not it at all. Okay, what are the elements of the world? Because he said those elements that we were under, those things were bondage. As Christians, we have liberty. And we are not to be entangled again in bondage. And we often associate that bondage with being sinful and things like that. But at the same time, what they're specifically speaking of here, or we'll make that application, but he's talking specifically about the things of the law, the ceremonial things. That's what these elements are. In Colossians 2.8, it says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Guess what? Everyone who is saved is circumcised. All of them, but not one with hands. It's not a physical circumcision. It's a spiritual circumcision. And you got people today that, well, there's no such thing as a spiritual Jew. Yes, there is. There is a spiritual circumcision. And just like there is a physical circumcision, there is a spiritual one. Just like there is a physical people, there is a spiritual people. Guess which one God is the people or God's people, not the physical, the spiritual. And right here, he spells it out for us. And he tells them not to be spoiled through philosophy, vain to see after the rudiments of the world and rudiments and elements are the same thing. A rudiment, it's something orderly in arrangement. It's an element. 
a principle, a rudiment, an element, a definition of that is something orderly in arrangement. Okay, something that is uh, fundamental. Uh, it's it's uh, um, an element. So they, they use these words interchangeably in the definition and even in the Bible. And so elements, it's the plural of the first rule or principle of an art or science. Rudiments as the elements of geometry, the elements of music, the elements of painting, the elements of a theory or rudiments, a first principle or element. So when the Bible is using this word, it's referring to those, those first principles, those things of the temple, the things of the old covenant, the things that were originally instituted. God did originally institute a temple, a tabernacle, a priesthood, a circumcision, sacrifices, feast, Sabbath. God originally instituted all these things and he put the people under those things. And we've talked a lot about this and I'm not going to repeat all this, but those things served a purpose for a time. It was meant to teach them some things, but when Christ came, he finished those things. So all those old ceremonial or carnal ordinances, as the Bible refers to them, those things were finished. And let me tell you something, I'm all for getting back to the old paths, but let me tell you, if you go actually go back to the Jeremiah 6.16 old paths, you're going back too far because we're done with those things. I think we should go back to more of a Hebrews 10.20 old paths and verse uh, Hebrews 10 19 says having therefore brothers brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh notice the veil that's mentioned but his flesh is the veil it's not a veil in the temple anymore and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So in reality, we're on the new path. In reality, we're not old paths people. We're new paths people by a new and living way, not an old and dead way, which is what people are wanting to go back to. I mean, I've even heard some preachers preach that we should line our church buildings up like they did in the Bible where they have them facing Jerusalem or we have, you know, it's like, uh, you know, they always had, uh, Eastern, the, you know, they had the entrance was always pointing to the East and things like that. And the Ark of the covenant was there in the West. And, and coincidentally enough, our auditorium is actually lined up that way. Uh, so, uh, it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't on purpose. But when I found out people were preaching that, I thought about turning my switching my auditorium around, but that would have created too much work and the entrance would have been in the front rather than the back. And that would have made it awkward for people that were late. But no, we don't need to do that. Okay? We don't need to do that at all. So we, and under the new and better living way, we can draw near with the true heart and full assurance of faith. We can approach a throne boldly, you know, because we're not worried about all these ceremonial cleansings and washings and things like that. We've been washed in the blood of Christ. We're good to go. We're ready for worship. Every Sunday when you come to church, we are ready for worship because of the blood of Christ. Galatians 4, 4 says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth the son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. They might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, uh, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. 
and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Understand, under the old covenant, they were under bondage. They were, they were uh, like a servant, but we are like sons now. We have something better. And so for Christians to go back to those old ways, it makes absolutely no sense at all. It's completely contrary to the scriptures. Look what it says in verse eight. It says, how be it then, when ye knew God, ye did service unto him, which by nature are no gods. But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. And this is important that we get a hold of this because again, one of the reasons people are so mixed up on prophecy is because they're getting connected to their Hebrew roots. And you know what they're doing? They're observing days and times and years and all these things. And look at how many times you go look up any prophecy video acting like the rapture is going to come or trying to predict the rapture. You know what they always base it off of? Jubilees. You know, Sabbath years, uh, I forgot, you know, like, you know, if they'll be like, it's a seventh year or something like that. And they're always trying to connect it to those things. You know, it's always in September around the feast of trumpets. You know, everybody assumes these things are going to be in line with Jewish holidays and things like that. God's done with those things. Okay? God is done with those things. I don't believe those things have any bearing on when Christ is going to return at all. And I think it's foolish for you to try to connect those things. And so here, when, when he tells them, those of you who know God, why would a Christian who knows God, who has put their faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that replaced all of those things of the old covenant, that finished and accomplished everything that the things of the old covenant could not do or complete or finish. Jesus did all those things. We now know him. His law is written in our hearts. We don't need to teach people in the new covenant to know the Lord. We know him. So why on earth would a church ever teach its people to go back to the weak and beggarly elements? Now, if somebody wants to take the time in their church to go to the Old Testament scriptures and uh, teach them about the weak and beggarly elements that they were under at one time and, and show the, the connection of those things to Christ. That's fine. You know, that that's okay to do that kind of thing, but to get people practicing those things, folks, that's ridiculous. What you're going backwards. Okay. Yeah. You're going back to the old paths. You're going back too far. You're, you, we need to be in the, the new and living way. And so it is, this is, this is dangerous stuff. And this is why too, I have never come across the full-blown Hebrew roots movement that had a clear gospel presentation. Never. Most of them are fully heretical, full-blown work salvation. And at best, at best, there's just some, you can't tell. There's some, they're so vague, you know, they could make their beliefs mean anything, but you know, we need to be specific if, uh, on the gospel. And so I've never, I've never, ever come across a Hebrew roots uh, person who had a clear gospel presentation. And I believe it's because these things blind you to the truth. And so when Paul 
He's calling these people out. Ye observe days and months and times and years. Why would Christians teach their people to practice Jewish holidays that are done? Jewish holidays that were also centered around the things of the temple. We don't use that temple anymore. Jesus Christ, he, it, he replaced the temple with his body, and now he dwells in us and our body is the temple. So for us to partic participate in those things, it's wrong. And you know what Paul said? He said, I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. It's like, Paul doesn't know what to think about these people. Are, are you even saved? Why? And you know what? We have every reason to doubt the salvation of people that are going back to these weak and beggarly elements that are going back into bondage. That doesn't make sense. Why do you want to do that so bad? And here's why a lot of people want to do it. Because again, they've gotten all up, caught up in this concept of pandering to Israel, of licking the boots of Israel and just acting like the Jews are the greatest thing that ever existed. And they are sinners just like the rest of us. They're flesh and blood just like the rest of us. They're, they're of corruptible seed. They are born of corruptible seed. They must be born again. And so to watch Christians licking their boots, to watch Christians observing their practices, and then two, to get these customs and to get their teachings and things from lost Jews who do not even believe on Christ, I'm afraid of you. I'm not saying you for sure aren't saved, but I'm saying I'm afraid of you. I wonder about you. And let me tell you, if I ever, uh, you know, got some people saved and I trained them and they went back to those weak and beggarly elements, I would be wondering about them too. It's like, did all that labor I put on you produce nothing? Was it all in vain? If you're going back to this, if you never even got saved, I think that's what Paul's saying right there. He's showing they should, they should be past these things that were of old. And Paul, he said, what you're doing, it's like, you want to go back into bondage. It's like, you want to go back into bondage. And so uh, I don't believe he's teaching. I don't believe this is teaching. You can lose your salvation here, but let me tell you something though. Okay. The, this is important. We understand this. I believe everybody in our church who is saved is saved and nothing can change that. We can't lose our salvation, but I believe if our church was to get sucked into this Hebrew roots movement, if we start out by just teaching God's not done with Israel, that's where it starts. And then we start going as far as we got to support. Israel. And then we take it another step. We're going to put an Israeli flag up on our platform. And then, you know what? I'm going to preach in a prayer shawl. Hey, let's start blowing a trumpet. Hey, let's start having, let's start celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. Hey, let's observe the Passover. Let's have a Seder dinner. You know, let's start, we start doing all these things. Eventually, it's not going to happen overnight, but eventually our gospel will be corrupted and we will cease in getting people saved. We will probably continue to get people in our assembly. But if we add works to the gospel, we're not getting new people saved. And pretty soon our church will be fully apostate. And, and so that can happen in a church. A church can be a fruit-bearing church, a fruit-bearing tree. And it can allow leaven of false doctrine to come in to where they cease bearing fruit. That for sure can happen. I know examples even locally of churches that at one time, I mean, preached a clear gospel, got a lot of people saved. 
and you can talk to many, many of the soul winners in our church, and they will testify to this, that when we're out soul winning and you knock on the door of people that are from this particular church, if they are older, okay, like above 30, they're almost always saved. They've got, they've got a clear testimony of salvation and without it, you know, these people are saved when you get below 30 okay, and especially below, then it's like, they are not saved, not even close. What's happening. This church is apostatizing is what's happening at one time. It was a gospel preaching church and it was getting the job done. And it did it. They reached a lot of people in this area. I've spoken with many of them. And, and you can't ever take that away from them. those people will always be saved, but it's sad that it's not doing that anymore. It's sad that now a new generation is rising up that does not know Christ. And that can happen in literally any church. And that's another reason too. I don't want our church touching this Hebrew root stuff with a 10 foot pole. We're not going to touch it. And I got a verse for that. We're going to see in a little bit, but Colossians 2 20. Paul said, wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ, if ye be dead with Christ, remember Christ completed all of those things. We claim the death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. So if ye be dead with Christ, if you understand Jesus did everything for you that the law could not do for you, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, that is referring to the things of the temple of the old covenant. Why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances? Why are you, doing, why are you observing the Sabbath? Okay, these Sabbath Christians that are out there. And guess what? Sunday's not the Sabbath. Okay, Saturday's the Sabbath. But you know what? Christ is our Sabbath. Okay, we've entered into his rest. We don't observe the Sabbath. That was meant to teach people something. That served a purpose for a time. I, I think the principle of the Sabbath is good in the sense that I think it's good to have a day of rest. I think we all need that. God rested after working for six days. You know, it's good to have that kind of thing, but to religiously put people under a Sabbath system, why would we do that as Christians? Why would we do that when we are dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world? And let me tell you something, any, I, I, question the salvation of any Christian who pretends to be a Sabbath day observer and to practice that. I, I'm afraid of you. I, I don't want to have anything to do with the church like that. So, uh, you know, you've got the seventh day Adventists out there, or I've even heard of seventh day Baptists. Why do you insist on, okay, listen, having church on Sundays are tradition. Traditions aren't bad. It's just tradition. But I want to know why you insist on doing it on Saturday. If you're connecting it to the Sabbath, I'm afraid of you. And I don't know, maybe that's why the tradition of Sunday got going to maybe separate themselves from that. So people didn't get the idea that, hey, we're still doing the Sabbath like we used to. No, we don't, we're not keeping the Sabbath. Okay, I'm not keeping the law. I don't sacrifice animals. Okay? I don't do all these things. Jesus finished those things. And so Paul, he said, why are you subject to ordinances? Well, it's not a sin to do these things. He says in verse 21, touch not, taste not, handle not. Touch not, taste not, handle not. You know what he's saying? Don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. This is why if I go, when I go into a church and they are clearly, clearly going back to 
Old Testament practices, ceremonial observances, feasts, Sabbaths, whatever, dietary laws, hey, things that are clearly specified in the New Testament, that they are completed in Christ. They were finished. Hey, I see that. I'm walking out. I'm not putting up with that for two seconds. I'm not getting caught up in that for two seconds. I accidentally walk into a church like that. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to walk out of there and go eat a whole bunch of bacon just to remind myself I am not, I'm not a part of that. I'm not doing that stuff. I don't need that stuff. I'm going to go out and I'm going to dig a ditch on Saturday. If I accidentally walk into a church like that, just to remind myself, I'm not under that. I'm not letting these people bring me into bondage. I'm not going to touch that stuff with a 10 foot pole. And it is, it's people, it's people getting way too caught up in this stuff. And it is, it all started with this obsession of Jewish things. Did we have this stuff in Christianity before 1948? Were, were Christians doing any of this before 1948? Because I never even started noticing this until 12 years ago. I'm, I'm sure it goes back farther than that. I'm sure there's been some elements. I mean, Paul was dealing with some of it in his day, but to consider, to call these people Christian, I think is such a massive stretch and it's an insult to real Christians. It's an insult to those who are dead with Christ and obey Paul and we touch not, taste not, we handle not when it comes to all that stuff. So I think we need to stay away from it completely. Paul said, which are all to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. And let me tell you, and get mad, I hope you get mad at me when I say this, but I hope it causes you to read your Bible again and think. But any Christian who eats Seder dinners around Passover, I'm afraid of you. Like Paul was afraid of them. I question your salvation if you are doing these things. Why? Why? What in the world is a saved person who is supposed to have liberty in Christ, who is supposed to be dead with Christ? What in the world are you doing going and following the commandments and doctrines of men. Cause let me tell you something about those Seder dinners. Those, that is not the way they did the Passover in the Bible. That is a new way that not a new and living way, like it described in Hebrews that or that something that Paul taught. It's something that modern day Jews are practicing because they can't keep the Passover the way they were supposed to, because they don't have a temple anymore. They're not in Israel. So they have come up with the shortcut version that doesn't resemble anything we see in the scriptures. And so when you have your Seder dinner where you hang up your Israeli flag and you get your little six pointed plate with the star of David on it, and you have your different things that you eat on there and you do all that stuff, you are following the traditions and commandments of men. And these are new traditions that these people have come up with. And I, I question your salvation. He's like, man, you're, you're, you're adding works to salvation. no, I'm taking away the salvation of those who have added works to salvation, who have added the very things that Paul was warning them about adding and telling them you're teaching another gospel. And when he said you're teaching another gospel, it wasn't because they were adding baptism. It wasn't because they were adding being a good person or anything like that. No, they specifically were adding ceremonial practices from the old covenant the elements of the world, the rudiments of the world. It was ceremonial things from the old covenant. They were making it a part of their worship and their church. And Paul said, no, you cannot do that. 
You cannot do that. If you add any element of the old covenant system, you have to add all of it. And you are nuts if you think you can do all of that stuff. You're sending a wrong message. You're taking away from the message that God was trying to send when he originally instituted those things. And you are ignoring the much clearer and better message that he sent when he brought Jesus Christ into the world and spoke to us by his son. You are distracting from the gospel when you do that. All Christians should avoid the Hebrew roots movement like a plague. And these people, even again, that are just insisting on using the Hebrew words and the Hebrew names as if it's some magical thing, stay away from them, mark them, avoid them, have nothing to do with it. And so these things, they can give a pretty good show. You're talking about you know, Yeshua, Hamashiach, all that kind of stuff. Hawk flim this, hawk flim that. You might impress some people with that stuff. You might impress them wearing your prayer shawls and blowing your shofars and all that nonsense. But Colossians 3, 1 says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where, of Christ, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things of earth. The things of the temple are of the earth. They are earthly. They are to perish. And they told, they told us in the Bible, these things are to perish. And you know what? These things did perish. They were destroyed. God had them destroyed in 70 AD. The temple was completely destroyed and God was done with those things. Colossians 2.13 says, And ye being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Hey, Jesus already forgave you in the uncircumcision of your flesh. So why are you now going and trying to get circumcised as if that will Jesus didn't already take care of that for you. So I, I, you know, it didn't have nothing physically. No, he gave it to you spiritually. He gave you the circumcision, not made with hands. It's better. It says blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and was, and was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. He took those things away. Why are we bringing back the things that Jesus took away? Why are we doing that? And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So again, there is no way you should ever let a Hebrew roots person intimidate you into following their practices. Messing with the rudiments of Judaism is wrong. And it it's so backwards. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. And the way I've illustrated this in my church before, it would be like if some, if, if somebody was talking to my parents and my parents, when uh, somebody asked them, Hey, do you have any children? And when referring to me, they were, they were referring to me as a baby. And when they show them a picture, they show a picture of my mom when she was pregnant with me, you know, f over 43 years ago. And it's just like, okay, why are you showing me? I, I asked you about your son. Why are you showing me stuff from before he was even born? I mean, yeah, that was, that was me in my mother's womb, but it's like, you know what? 
there's so much more that has been revealed. Okay. You know, here I am, here I am grown up, matured, you know, and uh, I, I have a name. She doesn't need to refer to me as the baby. You know, when, when parents first get pregnant or moms get, or women first get pregnant, they'll talk about the baby. They'll refer to it as the baby. I'm pregnant with the baby. That's how they refer to it because they don't know who it is yet. They don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet. After they receive another dispensation of what sex it is, you know, that's when t typically they'll give it a name and then they might start referring to it by that name. Once they receive that dispensation, right? once they receive that extra bit of information. And so the thing is to talk about God, you know, in the, in the words and to practice the things of God in the ways that were before Christ was revealed is really foolish and makes no sense at all. It's kind of crazy to do that kind of thing. And that's what these Hebrew roots people are doing. And we ought to stand against it. And so all, what this all said, people hate when you slippery slope fallacy them. But let me tell you something. In the Baptist world, we have gone down a slippery slope. Okay, We have gone down a slippery slope. And they, it did. It started with this, this, these errors of dispensationalism. And it's gone as far as many. I have seen many pictures. I've seen many videos of Baptist preachers doing these sermons about the Jewish prayer shawl. Did you know you can't preach a sermon about the Jewish prayer shawl just from the Bible? You can't. You've got to go to modern day Jewish customs and then try to connect them with the Bible. And that's what everybody does. Ralph Sexton is somebody who is, is known for that. Ralph Sexton has a book here called The Hem of His Garment. I've seen many pictures of Ralph Sexton with a prayer shawl. Okay. And you don't like me calling, you know, mentioning Ralph Sexton. Hey, he can, he's invited on the program. And I will talk to him. I'll talk to him about this and I'll let him have the last word, but I think he has gone too far. In fact, I was trying to find um, a video showing him uh, talking about his Jewish prayer shawl. And I did uh, I did a search on YouTube and this shocked me just a little over a month ago. He was at first Baptist in Hammond and look what he's doing. He's, he's got his Jewish prayer shawl there. Right there, and talking about the Jewish prayer shawl, I'll, I'll play just a random clip. I just went and skipped, and sure enough, I saw it there. So they're all teaching the same thing. You will know the Messiah when He comes, according to the last book of the Bible, Malachi. What does it say? How we'll know Him? He will rise with what? Healing where? In His wings. Does Jesus have angel wings? Well, then, what does that verse of Scripture mean? He'll rise with healing in his wings. Well, I'll tell you what it means. You see this garment right here? This prayer shawl? This tallit? Every corner has one of these. That square. And that's called the wing of the prayer shawl. The wing. Okay. I. I Alright. I promise I did not pick that clip on purpose. I, I had not listened to any of that. I just went, I found a spot where he had the prayer shawl out. I can't believe what I just heard right there. Was he just teaching that Jesus is going to come back wearing a prayer shawl and he's going to heal people with that? And I think he's connected that too, because I've heard other preachers copycat this, you know, when the woman touched the hem of his garment that, you know, she was healed. Listen, it wasn't about the hem of his garment. It was about 
who was wearing the garment and it was about her faith in that one that was wearing that garment. It wasn't about the prayer shawl. Oh my stars. What did, what did I just hear? That is, that is ridiculous. Let me tell you the healing that he brought ultimately was through the, his blood that he shed in the cross. It healed them and it cleansed them of their sins. And Jesus did do physical healings while he was on earth to show that he had the power to do the spiritual things. And oh, my stars. That was at first Babson in Hammond. I, I watched a few minutes of a different one. And, um, we're, and he said he was going to be referring to the prayer shawl the next day. That's how I knew to go to that video and I'd find the prayer shawl. And it was funny. I'm, I'm watching the pastors standing behind him. Cause I was shocked. They had him there. I, I was really shocked. And, um, they all just kind of had a look on their face. Like just, they, they had a confused look like this isn't, this isn't making sense. And what he was saying was dumb. It was really dumb. I just saw another sermon where there was a, um, there was a, a church that had a prophecy preacher in and he was up there just spewing nonsense. And I could see the pastor sitting behind him listening intently, but like looking confused. You know why? Cause what he was saying was false. Pa Baptist, you've got to stop having these prophecy preachers in. They are wrong and they are selling you a bill of goods and they are all, all of them obsessed with Israel. And they are wrong on Israel and it's messing them up on all their prophecy. They're connecting all these feasts. Listen, I believe Jesus is coming back, but why do we insist on connecting and trying to, you know, or why would we assume Jesus's return is going to somehow be connected with some of these old Testament feasts and things that he is finished with? So, well, they were a picture of what's to come. Yeah, but the, here's the thing about that. I don't think they were intended to help us know a date or anything like that. Okay. I mean, is it possible? I mean, good night. There were so many Jewish feasts and holidays. Okay. The chances of it not are, are pretty slim. Okay. So for one, you know, everybody wants to make it about the Feast of Trumpets. And um, I forgot how many days that is. But if you want to connect to a Sabbath, well, then there's a one in seven chance you know when you look at all the other holidays i mean the chances of it not following on some special jewish day are, are is actually pretty slim probably but either way you're not going to predict anything with that and and you getting caught up in all that stuff i believe the only reason we should be teaching all those old co covenant ceremonial things is just to uh again remind people that these things were all pointing to christ we should use them to talk about christ when we use them to lift up an ethnicity you're missing the point and when you call people back into those things, you're calling them back into bondage. And I, I've heard some, I'm, I've heard some rumors about stuff. I've not listened to a lot of Ralph Sexton's preaching. I've heard, I've heard some rumors uh, and I'm starting to believe them more after just listening to like less than five minutes today. And even that clip right there, this is out of control. It needs to stop. And, you know, I typically... Two, uh, I have people send me a lot of stuff of just foolishness being taught. And I try very much to avoid um, stuff that is geared towards a local church. Okay. So for example, uh, the one, one of the, the one prophecy sermon where the pastor was sitting back there kind of looking confused and, you know, about the person, um, there was some gems preaching that that is 
Oh man, I was thinking I would love to pick this apart. The guy was contradicting himself so much, but it's like I'm trying to avoid stuff that was intended for a local church. I get it; they're putting it online. I'm not saying that I never will, but um, you know, I, I prefer to let churches do what a church wants to do. It's when they gear it towards an audience outside the church, you know, like on a podcast, like I'm doing here. Um, you know, I will call those things out, you know, a separate video or whatever, a social media thing. Um, so I try not to, to show stuff like I showed a few seconds. Um, and I had no intention of listening to a lot. I was just wanting to show that he was literally preaching about the prayer shawl, uh, in that church. He, he does it everywhere, but, um, but yeah, but the, this has gotten out of control. It needs to stop. I expect this from non-denom churches that are, have absolutely uh, no good theology at all. But Baptist churches in the independent fundamental Baptist world is becoming, it already is, for lack of a better term, a joke. And it's getting worse. And IV preachers are getting made fun of more and more for their doctrinal shallowness and their errors and foolishness. And let me tell you something, you already have a horrible reputation. You get caught up in this Hebrew root stuff. You're getting into dangerous, damnable heresies and you, you've you already got enough working against you. Do not get caught up in this. And so I, I'm, I'm to the point now, I just, you just can't defend IFB anymore. It's gotten so bad. Prayer shawl stuff, like that. that's not being preached in a small church. That's one of the largest Baptist churches and they've got that kind of foolishness going on. When IFB churches have Israeli flags on their platforms, I haven't seen any IFB churches blowing shofars yet. Okay. And if somebody wants to show me an IFB church blowing a shofar as a part of their service, not a preacher giving an illustration or something like that, as a part of their service. Okay. And I'll, I'll, I'll bet you $5 and I'm not, and I'm just using that as expression. Nobody take me up on this. But if you find somebody blowing a shofar as a part of their service in a Baptist church too, I'll bet, I will bet he will be wearing a prayer shawl as well. And if somebody finds something like that, you know what? I will call that out on here. Send that to me. And on one of my next podcasts, I will name this Baptist church is blowing shofars. What's wrong? With, what's wrong with them? You need to get out of that church at that point. And people will get mad at me for saying that, but folks, you cannot deny these scriptures. And that is why you're blowing shofars. That is why you're doing these things. Why don't you just start telling everybody to get circumcised in your church as part of, part of your ceremonies. We all know not to do that because Paul, that was the one he specifically mentioned, but all of these other things that you're are, they're all connected. Hey, okay? you, again, you, you bring in one part of the law, you're bringing all of it in. So uh, anyway, I need to stop with that. I could just talk about this forever, but stay away from the Hebrew roots movement. It is heretical. It is dangerous. I'm 100% against it. Let, I, I wish every church in America next Sunday, when they start doing all this stuff in your church, I, I, if, if every church, the first time they introduce prayer shawls and shofars and things like that, if, if half the churches walked out, other churches would hear and they quit doing this kind of stuff. It's time you people, you know, they hold their churches and ministries accountable. And when heresy is barfed and foolishness is promoted like this, there needs to be a price that people pay. And so anyway, enough ranting about that. It is time for me to go. But I appreciate you all watching this. I hope it was a blessing. And make sure you tune in either Thursday or Friday. I'll have Pastor 
Albino Ofwebu with me as we talk about Bible prophecy. I know you'll enjoy that. So God bless you. We'll see you all next time.